0: Hi, I'm Isaac and I'm doing um, tonight's second Bible reading which is from Psalm 27. Psalm 27 The Lord is my my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me, to devour my flesh. When my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide in me He will hide hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle I will sacrifice with with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Saviour. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes. For For false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord.
1: Thank you, Isaac. Uh, as these guys are walking, I, 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 uh, let me introduce myself. If uh, you're visiting here, my name's John. I have the great privilege and honour of looking after our youth ministry here and it's a great joy and blessing because if you think about it, the youth that we have in our church today, they're our future leaders, aren't they? The leaders of not just this church but wherever they'll be serving, they'll be the Christian leaders, won't they? They'll be our future elders and elders' wives even (laughs) as they marry each other and Sunday school (laughs) teacher and so we want to be praying for them as they grow in their knowledge of Christ, as they grow in their love for Christ and for the church. Um, but I want to say a few things before we look at this passage and that is I want to say thank you, especially to our leaders. Our leaders do put in so many hours in serving the youth. Uh, it's often unseen. Uh, we did get them to stand before but I want to point them out because I'm not sure if we all know who our leaders are. So uh, hopefully I won't miss anyone. There's Hayden, there's Mary, there's Sam, there's Jono, there is I'm going around, Hannah and... Who else have I missed? Uh, Phoebe. Peter Battery. And uh, Steph's doing Youth Metro this year. Have I missed anyone, leaders? Dan Dixon's joined us. Okay, so these are leaders. But until recently, uh, Jess Battery was also serving and Josiah Moody uh, just until recently. But we want to be keeping them in our prayers. It's a big responsibility to be a teacher of God's word and to look after a, a small flock. Uh, I also want to thank the youth, that is, thank you for coming to Youth Group, for giving up a Friday evening to share with us, to spend time with us. We love you and we want you to grow in the knowledge of Christ. And I also want to say thank you to the parents for entrusting them to our care. uh, uh, We hope we are looking after them well and, and we are grateful that you are entrusting them to our care. But now, uh, before we look at this passage, why don't we just turn around, welcome each other, greet each other, and I'll get you back in a moment. Get an outline as well if you don't have one. Okay, well, I might grab, get you back. Uh, please do hang around afterwards for, for supper and things to eat, some sugar to keep us awake later. Uh, but let me pray and we'll have a look at Psalm 27. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you speak to us still and so help us tonight as we hear your word, read and taught, that we'll receive it not as just the word of men but as the very word of God and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now if you knew that you only have one month of life left, how might that change your life? if you knew you only had one month left, how might that change your perspective on life? How might that change your values, the things you would live for for this one month that you have left? How might you start changing? How might that change your life? Think about that. Now, I suspect that if this were the case, if we were all to find out that we've only got one month left, we would make some drastic changes. All of us will do something serious And that's because we want to make use of our time, maximize the time that we have left. We want to maximize the significance of our life if we only have one month left. We want to maximize whatever we can maximize in this one month that we have left. And so for many of us, I suspect that it will mean something like this. If I only have one month of life left on this earth, I will want to live fearlessly for my one month of life left. I will want to start living fearlessly. Now, if I'm going to die anyway, I've really got nothing to lose. All right? And so I want to start living fearlessly, a life without fear. And so I might do things like this. <laughs> Attempt some daredevil stunt in one month, one month of life. Or climb some beer crazy mountain just for fun. That's me on that mountain. Or take on a lion just for fun. If I had only one month left, that might be something I'll do. Or run with the hippos for fun. Or run with the bulls for fun. Or something even more daring, more crazy than that. Live in a tent for fun. I don't understand, but maybe I might do that. Or worse than that, worse than that, cook <laughs> for fun or to eat maybe. So what about you? If you had one month left, how might that change your worldview? How might that change your life? How might that change the way you use your time, your money? What might change if your life was to end? Well, of course, that was all a bit of fun, right? Even if I were to do all of that, Even if I were to do all of that, that's the story of my life. Have I really achieved anything in life? If for my last month I were to do all those things, have I really achieved anything in life? Have I really made my life more fulfilling, more satisfying, more complete? Have I really accomplished anything of value in life if I did all those things? Have I really made my life my life? Would it be complete and have I really lived fearlessly? But well, if you think about it, not really. Even if I were to do all those crazy things, not really. You see, doing those crazy things just shows that perhaps I'm adventurous, gutsy, maybe a bit crazy, like trying to cook or something like that. But you see, I will still be crippled by fear. I would still be paralysed by fear. Fear of having not achieved enough in life. Fear of not having succeeded in life. Fear of what others think of me, how I'm perceived by them. Am I accepted by them? Fear of how I will survive through all this mess in life. Or fear of what the end really holds. When my life does come to an end, fear of what that end will really look like. You see, this is Living the fearless life is to be freed from this thing, to be liberated from this thing, to not have this to worry about. Now, wouldn't you like to live that type of life? Living the fearless life, not worrying about any of those things at all. Living life without anything to lose. Living the fearless life. That would be good, wouldn't it? But is it just wishful thinking? Is it just wishful thinking to think that that's a possibility? that a life like that is possible. Well, you know what? It is possible. It is possible to live from this moment on a fearless life. It is possible and we can learn from King David. We can learn from King David because he did it. And so I want you all to now turn to Psalm 27. We'll work through these verses. Because we'll get to learn from him how he lived his life as he faced all that he was facing. So let's look at Psalm 27. Now, this was the psalm that David wrote. Now, we're not exactly sure when David wrote this psalm, but we can see from this very psalm that things weren't going too well at all for him. Scholars reckon this psalm was written uh, during his darkest moments. Uh, uh, Darkest moments, we're not sure when, but perhaps one of two times. The first was perhaps when he was pursued by Saul. Saul was envious of him, was jealous of him, and wanted him dead. Perhaps David wrote during that time. Or the second moment, the second darkest moment in his life was when his very own flesh and blood, Absalom, wanted him dead, wanted his father dead so that he can get the throne. So David perhaps wrote this psalm during one of those two moments and so things weren't going too well at all. And so if you think about that, this psalm is really a psalm of trouble, a psalm of fear. I mean, for David, in this psalm, he had everything to be afraid of. He had a frightening life, a frightening circumstance. But yet this is also a wonderful psalm when we look at this. You see, what we see here is that we can learn from David in how he placed this fear, this trouble into proper perspective. We can actually see from this psalm and learn from David how he, in fact, through those scary circumstances, was able to live the fearless life. And so let's have a look. David King David. Now, David was a man who had many enemies, and people wanted him dead. Armies wanted to devour him, they wanted to eat him alive. And his life was considered worthless, like him. You know, worthless. They wanted him dead. Just like, you know, that, that feral cat that you just want to shoot. Now, you're not meant to do that, right? But he, people just wanted David dead. And he had everything to be afraid of. He was experiencing injustice. Life, his life was in danger, and it was just not right for him. Everything was not going well, but yet, have a look at this psalm. Look at what David says. Remember, things were not right. It was his darkest moment, but yet he was resolved in his mind and his heart. Look at verse one. David said, "The Lord is my light and my salvation; whom shall I fear?" Those are the first words that come from David. Is it, it is his darkest moment that those are the first words. If God is light, that is, God is the source of all that is good and right and holy and beautiful, and if God is the saviour, David was resolved in his mind and in his heart that if that is the case, then there's nothing to fear. Have a look at verse 2. When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, They will stumble and fall. You see, David was resolved. He knew if God is the light, if God is the salvation, the stronghold, his enemies, they they have no foothold. They cannot stand. They will stumble. And in verse 3 Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. You see, David, in his darkest moments, being pursued, People want him dead. People want to eat him alive. He said these words. This is fearless living, isn't it? Fearless living. All around him were enemies wanting him dead. But yet he said, whom shall I fear? Even then will I be confident. Now, wouldn't that be a great way to live? This was King David. He had enemies, real enemies who wanted him dead. Think about our life now. Wouldn't that be a good way to live without a fear in life? Well, that was David's fearlessness. Now, if you were in David's situation now, I want you to think about that. Just say you were able to live fearlessly. It doesn't actually solve the problem, does it? Because even though you might be living fearlessly, there are still enemies outside the city gates who still want you dead, who still want to take you on and kill you. It doesn't really solve that problem. So if you were in David's situation, put yourself in his shoes. What would you be asking God at that moment? What would you be praying to God for at that moment? You know, it might be fearless, but the enemies are still there. The problem is still there. You know, you might pray, God, I know you are powerful. I know I can trust you. But how about, you know, just to deal with this problem, how about sending me some weapons? You know, send me some guns, some bombs, some tanks, so that I can deal with these punks outside. God, God, I know I can trust you, but how about sending me an, an army of angels to deal with these guys? Well, God, why don't you just take me out of this place, teleport me away to some other safe place. And if you were in David's situation, if I was in David's situation, perhaps that would be the prayer I would be praying. Send me some weapons, help me deal with this problem. But then what did David pray for? What did David ask for? Now, what David asked for should shock us. You see, it was radical what he asked for. Have a look at verse 4. One thing, he says, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Now, think about that. This was his darkest moment. He could pray for weapons, for bombs and whatever, but yet he prays, he asks, to dwell in the house of the Lord. Was he out of his mind to ask for such a thing during this time? Was he crazy? The one thing he asked for is to dwell in the house of the Lord, to to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Now, people want him dead, but that's what he wants. So why? Why does he want that? Was he really crazy out of his mind? Or was he really just afraid of facing reality? Didn't want to face it. Or was it just because he was a bit like you know playing hide and seek with his enemies? He's thinking, well, you try looking for me, I'm going to be with God somewhere, and you won't be able to find me. Or was he just super, super spiritual that we can't really relate to him? Or could it be, was David actually onto something here? In this psalm, was he onto something precious that we all need to know as well? You see, David was, in a sense, the original bear grills. You know, bear grills and the guys who, who goes jumps off planes and lives off dead animals and eats them alive. And well, David was, in a sense, like that. He was this gutsy warrior, punk shepherd boy. Now, this guy, as a teenager, he would kill bears and lions with his bare hands. We read this uh, in one Samuel. This was a tough guy. He was a gutsy guy, he was strong, he was courageous, he was brave. But yet even though he was able to kill bears and lions with his own bare hands, he learned that he can never place trust in his, in his weapons, in his strength, in his wisdom, in his might. He could not place trust in anything human at all. You see, in the face of enemies, we, we read this in 1 Samuel, he learned that he can only find safety and comfort and refuge in God alone. And so even as he was killing bears and lions, David says to Saul in 1 Samuel 17, he said it was the Lord who delivered him. He recognised it was the Lord who delivered him from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear. And so David here came to understand that the one who sits on the throne of the universe is the one who's Lord over all. And so David recognised that If he is God, if he is the Lord of the universe, then he is the one whom I am to find refuge in. Because when I gaze upon the glory of God, when I gaze upon the beauty of God, I see grace, I see power, I see mercy, I see compassion, I see love and I see extreme power that would even blow my mind. And so David, gazing on the beauty of God, seeing how powerful, how glorious God is, his fear just melts away. I mean, if you think about it, if this is God, who can stand against this God if he is my refuge? And so David, being filled with joy, he says in, in these next few verses, have a look, five to six, for in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the uh, shelter. Sh- Shelter of his tabernacle, that is his dwelling, and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. You see, David was able to live fearlessly in his darkest moment because he knows that God is his refuge. God is in it is in God who he finds safety and security. And so, knowing this knowing that he can only find safety in God, that in God alone he finds refuge, he now in this next bit of the psalm, he pleads to God. He pleads that God will not turn away. He pleads that God will not forsake him. He pleads that God will not turn his face away. Have a look at verse 7. We'll read to verse 10. David pleads, Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Saviour. So he's pleading to God to not forsake him, to not turn away. And now we read of his confidence in God that, that God won't. He goes on to say, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. And so David pleads that God won't forsake him and he is confident that God won't forsake him. But then he also pleads, he prays that God will keep him from evil, that God will keep him on the path of righteousness. You see, he's being attacked, he's experiencing evil, he's suffering, he's being hated, people want him dead. But he pleads to God that he won't act in the same way as his enemies, that he'll be righteous and not evil like his enemies. And so we read this, verses 11 and 12. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. And so what are we seeing here in this psalm? We're seeing David's fearless living. He's able to live fearlessly because he knows that God is his refuge. In God he has safety and security. And so knowing that, he pleads to God, don't turn away. And yet he's confident that God won't. And so now he ends this psalm. And he ends this psalm with complete confidence. He ends this psalm with complete confidence in the goodness of God. Complete confidence that God's purposes will always prevail. And so he takes heart. The last two verses, have a look, 13 and 14. I'm still confident of this. I'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. So that's Psalm 27. That was King David's Psalm written during his darkest moment. Despite how hopeless he was, despite how threatening and terrifying the situation was, he continued to live fearlessly. Now, isn't that a great life, to be able to do that in the midst of that darkness? And you know what? Each and every one of us here tonight are able to live that fearless life as well. You see, the words of this psalm can be our words as well. Now, how is that possible? Well, what did David know? What can we learn from David? Well, you see, in this psalm, David started with Right theology, didn't he? Right understanding of God. He had a right understanding. God is light. That is, God is the source of all that is right and good and holy and pure and beautiful. He started with the idea that God is salvation. God is the stronghold. That is, God is the Lord of the universe. So, David got all that right, didn't he? He started with a right understanding of God. But you see, David actually got more than that. David got something more than just that understanding. Because that type of understanding of God, if you know that God is light and salvation and and the stronghold, it's actually not enough. And David knew that there is more. Knowing about God is in fact not enough. Because if you just know about God, God remains this distant abstract reality. But David did not just know about God. He began with right theology and right theology always has a big M-Y in it a big my in it. Right theology is personal. You see, God is not just the light. If you look at verse 1, God is my light. God is not just the salvation, but God is my salvation. God is not just the stronghold, but he is my stronghold. God is not just the refuge, but he is my refuge. You see, theology is meant to be personal. God is my God. And you can say that too. God is my God. Not just some God, but my God. And when God is my God, I can actually live fearlessly. If God is my God, I can live fearlessly. Because, you see, what happens when God is your God, when God is my God, what happens is that we actually find our identity. We find out who we really are. Now, American pastor, Paul Tripp, he puts this quite profoundly. He says this. (coughs) He says, theology not only defines who God is, that is, God is light and the stronghold and the salvation and the refuge, but also redefines who we are as his children. You see, right theology, biblical, faithful theology, is personal. You see, when I come to see that God is mine, God is mine, he's my God, then I also come to see that I am his. When God is mine, I am his. I've become a child of God. And that is who we are. That is who I am. That is my identity. And this is worth remembering. This is what will help us live fearless life, knowing who we are. And so one good way to remember this is this Who I am is bound up with whose I am. Who I am is bound up with whose I am. I'm God's. That is who I am. That is my identity. And so if this is my God, the God of the universe, the God who sits on the throne, who rules everything, and this God is my salvation, this God is my stronghold, this this God is my refuge, and I've become God's, If you think about that, what is there to fear in life? The God of the universe is yours and you are his. What is there to fear in life? But I suspect some of us might still be asking, is this just wishful thinking? Are we dreaming here that we can live a fearless life, that I can have such confidence as this to live such a life? I mean, is this just some sort of pep talk how can I be certain? How can I be sure? I mean, many of us have grown up in Christian families, going, go, gone along to church, heard the Bible stories, heard the Gospel. But how can I be so certain that I'm not just fooling myself if I go on living fearlessly? How can I be sure? We well, see there is in fact something that we all know now, something that we all see now, something that we all hear now that should give us greater assurance greater confidence than even what King David had. You see, do you see how David ended this psalm? Have a look at the last two verses again. David said, I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. You see, for David, he had to wait for God. He had to wait for for the goodness of God to be seen, to be evident. He waited to see what God would do. He waited to see how God would deliver him from his time of darkness. But what's different for us today is that there is no more need to wait. You see, because we have seen the goodness of God. We have in fact seen what God has done in history. We have in fact seen how God has ultimately delivered this world from darkness. And that was of course when God sent his very own son, Jesus Christ, who walked to the cross, who hung there on the cross for us, for the world. We have seen the goodness of God. We don't need to wait any longer. We have seen the goodness of God when Jesus hung there on the cross, when he hung there to bear on his body, All the darkness of this world, all the terrors of this world, all the horrors of this world that we deserve, Jesus took it all. And remember what Jesus said when he was hanging there on the cross. He said, Father, Father, O Lord, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, the son was forsaken by the father so that we will never have to be forsaken. And if you look back at this psalm, that was David's greatest fear, He pleaded that God would not forsake him. Remember that verse 9. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger, but do not reject me or forsake me. You see, that was David's fear, but it's no longer our fear because the Son of God was forsaken so that we don't have to. God will never turn his face away from us. God will never turn his face away from us. He will never forsake us because the Son was forsaken. And because of that, we can say, like David, this is my God. He is my salvation. He is my stronghold. He is my refuge. And so if God is willing to do all that at the expense of his son for us, you must think, what is there to fear in life? Really, what is there to fear if God is my God? And so isn't this the life we all want now? You know, Living the fearless life, not just when I find out that I've got a month left, of my life and then start living fearlessly then we can actually start today to live every day of our life fearlessly because god is my god and i'm his you see we can we can do this the words of this psalm can be our words as well the god of the universe the one who sits on the throne with all power is my savior my salvation my refuge you see, we might try to do gutsy things. I just want to show you this again anyway. <laughs> but that's just a gutsy life. A Adventurous life doesn't achieve anything. But you see, with what we understand today from Psalm 27, we can actually begin to live a life without the fear of rejection at all. And that's because I'm God's. We can live a life with, without the fear of failure. It doesn't matter if I don't achieve doesn't matter if I don't, don't succeed. Doesn't matter if I don't accomplish. Doesn't matter because I'm God's. We can live a life without the fear of loneliness. You know, I don't need to find my identity. I don't need to find my worth in relationships. It doesn't matter because already I'm, I'm God's. We can live a life without the fear of how I'm perceived. Doesn't matter whether I'm liked or not, or what people think about me, or how I'm dressed. Doesn't actually matter. I'm God's. We can live a life without the fear of any dark and sad moments that will come our way in life. Because I'm God's. And we can even live a life without the fear of death. Now just this past week you've heard the news, there were attempt attempted terrorist attacks, and they were or taken out by police. But they were planning to be head people they captured and and show it on social media. That's crazy, isn't it? Crazy stuff. Now that should shock us. That should terrify us that people want to do such a thing and so close to home as well. But you see, for Christians, for us Christians, I would like to think that even if that were so, and it does happen around the world, it does happen, Christians are beheaded, for Christians we have this quiet confidence, don't we, We have this quiet confidence because I'm God's. There's no need to fear even death. And so for all of us here tonight, we've got old, we've got midlife crisis age people which I'm approaching, we've got young youth. We want to get this right now, don't we? We've got the rest of our lives ahead of us and we don't want to be wasting those years ahead of us. God might grant us another 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, 80 years even. We don't want to be wasting our life living in fear, in fear of all these things we've looked at. And so we can be, like King David, know God. When we know God, we're actually knowing ourselves. Who we are is bound up with whose we are. And so we can begin living a life fearlessly, no matter what comes our way. We can live in confidence because I'm God's. And so, if you think about this, wouldn't this be a great way to begin every morning? Just to remind ourselves, a quick reminder. Every morning, when we wake up, we remind ourselves, God is mine, and so I'm God's. I've got nothing to lose today. Whatever happens to me today, I've got nothing to lose. I'm already God's, which means I have everything already. I have God, and he has me. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you that you are not a distant God, but that you are our God, our light, our salvation, our stronghold, our refuge. And so we praise you that you will never forsake us. You've forsaken your Son for that moment, but you'll never forsake us because your Son bore all the darkness of this world, all the sins of our lives. And so help us to know more deeply who you are. And so help us know more deeply who we are in relation to you. Help us all to live a life with confidence, living fearlessly
0: because we are yours. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.